This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 193 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Today, without our producer Glenn, we're on our own, Reese. I know. They have two dressage trainers uh, working technology, but <laughs> thankfully, Philip, you can handle it. I, I don't I, Well, still I'm doing not. the best I can. I, there, there's, <laughs> there are some mistakes that are made here, and it makes taping the show a little longer than normal, but uh, yeah. I think we're doing okay. Yeah, I think we are too. I think we're doing great. Okay. But uh, how are things going in your neck of the woods? Uh, we're waiting on a mega storm, I guess. Have you heard that they're they're forecasting huge snow for you know our area and across uh, I guess some of New York State and Pennsylvania? Another situation looks, of two two fronts meeting or something. Uh, I don't it looks know. terrible. So all you guys that are in the snow, I really truly, this is when I'm very very happy that I'm spending all the money that I'm spending to be down here. Yeah. Is when I see the mega storm coming. Yeah, I, I mean, so, they're not always right. So I'm just hoping that you know yeah. we won't get all that snow, and I'll be able to just drive to the barn tomorrow and go to work as normal. Hopefully. Yeah. Oh, fingers crossed for everybody, for sure. All right. Well, in the meantime, we got a show to do. So, uh, what do we got today? What do we got coming up today? Well, do you want to hear a little bit about my Florida diary? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, of course. (laughs) So, we've had a great week down here. Um, uh, So, you guys have all heard of me talking about my four-year-old Denali. He won his first class this this week. Yes, he did. It was really exciting. You know, I think everybody who breeds horses and uh, who slaves away from the time they're little, it was it was really a a cool day for me just even to go to a horse show. And uh, we hacked down. It's about a mile hack from our barn, and we hacked down, and we rode our. We did. We're in. We're in white fences, but we down to the showgrounds. Yeah, yeah. And he was. He was the superstar. We hacked down on Saturday, and the show was Sunday, so we went back on Sunday. Um, And it was just. It was a beautiful day, and and I really. I had a great time at a horse show. Funny as that is. Yeah. And (laughs) (laughs) and I was just so proud of him. He was so good, and at no point did I feel like my life was in danger. And uh, he got his first blue ribbon. Uh, and it was really, it was a really fun day for me. And, and, and as a mom of a horse, I was very proud of him. So oh, that was great. Nice yeah. Hear, yeah. All the progress I of know. Denali we hear week to week. And yeah, finally, I know, week to week. He's finally a real horse. He is, he is. <laughs> so that's pretty exciting. At least today he, or, or Sunday, he was a real horse. Um, and then Cassandra Hummer Johnson, who uh, came on the show, she's my young rider, actually uh, received her gold medal this week. Uh, so that Fantastic. was pretty awesome. Yeah, as a awesome. coach. Yeah. We are having a good season. And so to be there as a coach and, and see she's my first student to get their gold medal. So that was pretty awesome to, to be there. So uh, the joke was she, I, I told her she was really nervous. Um, yeah. and, and I think all of us that go for our medals, it, oh, gosh, you just need to get that final score. Yeah. Uh, and I told her, I said, Cassie, don't worry. Any day that you get it, I will take you to dinner at the restaurant of your choice. 
So her choice was the Cheesecake Factory. Uh, no problem. <laughs> I, I will I take make the another choice in, in yeah, that town, yeah. by the way. But, but, okay. but yeah, in, in, in West Palm Beach, maybe I would too. But I said, you got it. I will take you anytime. You, I, we will find a Cheesecake Factory. And um, she came out of the ring and she goes, I think we're going to the Cheesecake Factory tonight. Oh, and uh, we nice. did. We went to the Cheesecake Factory and celebrated. So, uh, so it's been a great week this week. So lots okay. of fun and we have guests. Um, Winnie, my my uh, my Black Mare's owner, is in town. Um, so okay. that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, just just a party, right? You're just yeah, having a good it time. is. And I'm, I'm thinking about having to dig my car out tomorrow morning. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, I'm I really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to everybody for sure. So yeah, but um, we have a really really fun show, and and actually at the schooling show, I saw Dr. Mary Beth Gordon, uh, who is the director of research and, and new products uh, development at the Perina um, Horse. Perina Animal Nutrition, I saw her at uh, the schooling show, and she's going to come on and talk to us a little bit about um, building a feeding program for your dressage horse today. Well, that sounds great. And I think we also have a friend of ours, JJ Tate, is going to give us a trainer tip. She was on the show a couple weeks ago talking about... um, The trainer's conference. The trainer's conference. You're right. Yeah. And so she gave us a trainer tip at the same time. We're going to air it today and uh i'm looking really looking forward to that i know great. that'll be great so what's in the news this week well uh, let's see what we got cornerstone event management organizer of several top california international dressage competitions announced on tuesday a partnership with markle insurance to launch a young horse talent search for horses of four five and six years old on the west coast they're going to offer more than $10,000 in prize money and awards for each division of training first and second level tests. Horses can earn an invitation to the finals in June with two scores of at least 65% in de- designated classes. So that's really exciting for people to be that's able to great. get their uh, young horses out and for there to be a little prize money there as incentive because I think there's lots of great young horses um, that need to be recognized and lots of great young horse riders and trainers that uh, that need to be recognized for some great riding and some great talent to, to keep bringing them along. So, uh, Absolutely. And Markel great. Insurance, uh, they are great supporters of the Young Horse Program. So uh, hopefully they'll bring it to the East Coast and uh, maybe Denali can go. We'll there see. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> and it's nice to be able to get them out to shows and, and also yeah. have kind of incentive and, and some some help exactly that financially right so that would yeah be great great program i love it because as as we talked about you know young horses they don't get better unless they go and it's not necessarily the most fun taking a young horse to their first shows but uh i'm doing it so you can too everybody (laughs) yeah yeah really reese is a wimp so i mean yeah i'm a wimp so (laughs) philip always teases me (laughs) so applications are not being sought for the u.s dressage team technical advisor and chef to keep um, and as we know, uh, both uh, Ann Gribbins uh, is as a technical advisor and Eva Solomon as a chef to keep are leaving USEF. So um, if you have any vacancies, you can – the deadline is March 15th and people can nominate uh, individuals for that job at the USEF website. Is that something you want to do there, Reese? Or? Uh, no. <laughs> no, that's that's a that's a big time job. I think that, that's a that's huge a, that's job. Hard. Yeah. yeah, that's a hard job. That would that would not be at least right now. Who knows in a few years? But uh, right now, I will enjoy my own group of riders for sure. Right. 
Well, David Marcus and Chevrolet Capital have continued their winning ways as they won the uh, Wellington World Cup freestyle. And yeah. are now at the top of the North American World Cup standing. So, um, you know, he's a friend of the show. He's been on. He talked about his trip to the Olympics a little bit. And uh, it's nice to see that, you know, things are still going well for him. It's only the first anniversary of him riding uh, Chevrolet's Capital in, in the uh, CDI Grand Prix. So he's doing yeah. really well and great for Canada. That's what I like to see. I know, I know. And, and as we talked about David, I've known David. We did Young Riders together. Um, so I wish him all the best. I actually saw him yesterday, and he's really excited about that horse and how he's going and, and just how he's developing um, you know, he's the type of horse that right now here in Wellington, you can show any day of the week, but Monday. So having that horse uh, just out, he's, he's showing a lot right now. Uh, and it's easy down here to show because they pretty much, not the CDI horses, but you can show during the week and the horses can sleep in their own bed. So it's kind of a neat development down here, especially if you have a horse that needs to get out a bunch. So I wish him luck for sure. Yeah, and second in the freestyle was Sweden's Tina Wilhelmsen Sylvan on a, another horse, not Don Arulio, uh a developing Grand Prix horse, Divertimento. And third was Jackie Brooks and De Niro, another Canadian. So, um, you know, yeah. two Canadians in the top three, that's nice to see. That's great. That's awesome. So uh, there's another CDI this weekend, so I will, will let you know how the – I did not go to the freestyle last week, but there's another one uh, starting uh, – to. well, they jog today at 3 o'clock. So another one this weekend. So I'll CDI, let you know CDI, CDI, CDI. Yeah, it's Every great. It's, 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 you can go and see these. Yeah, it's a lot. It's, so you can see these horses pretty much any, any day of the week, so, uh, which is re- really a pleasure. So I will let you know how that goes this week. That's really fun. <laughs> so we have a great show, and after um, a commercial break, we're going to speak with Dr. Mary Beth Gordon, Director of Research and New Product Development of the Horse Group from Perina Animal Nutrition. Hi, Glenn the Geek here. Choose Kentucky Performance Product Supplements because the horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. This week, I want to speak with you about Elevate Maintenance Powder. Horses consuming limited grass due to a busy competition schedule or because of diet restrictions may not be getting enough natural vitamin E. Horses in rigorous training, seniors, broodmares, and stallions often require additional levels of vitamin E to meet their needs. When you need a supplement with natural vitamin E, choose Elevate Maintenance Powder. Affordable, effective, and research-proven, Elevate Maintenance Powder's vitamin E is nature's most powerful antioxidant, protecting your horse on the cellular level. Elevate Maintenance Powder supports the strong immune system and healthy muscle function necessary for top performance. It's affordable and easy to feed, and you can learn more about this and all their products at kppusa.com. That's Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Hey, Mary Beth, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Hi, Reese. It's great to talk with you. I'm excited to be here. Well, you are just a, a dear friend of mine and a, a wonderful res- resource that I personally use all the time. Um, but you're also a dressage writer. So I bumped into you at a schooling show the other day. That was so fun. Yeah, it was great. Um, I have a, well, I was going to call him a young horse, but he's not young anymore because he's nine. <laughs> so uh, I have a nine-year-old Westphalian gelding, and I show him in the adult amateur divisions in dressage, and we're just trying to get warmed up a little bit for some showing in, in Wellington. So uh, 
we went out and did a second level test and my job was to work on my position and my pace during my ride. So that's what we were working on. How did it go? It was great. It was great. I definitely, I watched my video. I have improvements in my position. My horse was perfectly behaved for his first time out down in Florida. We did not go over in school uh, the day before. We just literally took him off the trailer, tacked him up, went in the ring. So I was really happy with our ride. Oh, that is so great. And uh, I also went to the show and also it was a wonderful day down here. Um, But Mary Beth, you are such a wonderful resource for all us dressage riders out there. And we're talking today about how to build a proper feeding program for a dressage horse. So can you talk to us or start kind of start the discussion for us? Sure, um, absolutely. You know, for me, whenever I think about feed, starting a, a feed program for the horse, I'm going to build it from the ground up. And the first thing that I want to think about Uh, from a feed point of view, is that horse's hay. Because a lot of people, they're worried about, well, what bag of feed and how many scoops of a feed do do I feed per day? But you really need to think about that feed stuff that's going to be the majority of what goes into that horse. And that's typically and should be the, the hay that the horse is getting. So I like to counsel people to make sure they feed a good quality hay. It needs to be consistent needs not to change all the time, you know, from grass to alfalfa to from uh, coastal hay to timothy hay, that type of thing. And I think it's really important um, that horses get at least one and a half percent of their body weight per day in hay. Some horses can have free choice hay, which is great. It's good for their digestive physiology to be able to nibble on good quality hay all day. Others are going to need to have, you know, more of a segmented amount of hay, whether they get a certain amount of flakes or a certain amount of pounds of hay through the day if they get overweight on free choice hay. But the first thing for me is to choose a good quality hay that you can get consistently that's going to be the base of your program. Now, Mary Beth, before we move on, I just want to talk about how, you know, do you find it important to get your hay analyzed so you have a starting point, you know, of of what kind of hay you're feeding or or how do we manage that, you know, to be able to... That's an excellent that's an excellent question about hay analysis. Um, it, if you are able to get a good quality, consistent source of hay, um, and you want to, or you're going to have enough hay to feed that for a long period of time, it's a good idea to get it analyzed. Because if you're using this hay and you can figure out that it already has a certain protein content or a certain mineral content, um, you know, you can then balance your feeds to this hay source. A lot of people don't have the luxury of having a large amount of hay that they can feed for longer periods of time. You know, they're feeding one type of hay for six weeks and another type for eight weeks. And then it's harder to do an analysis because then you'll be doing analyses over and over and over again. Um, And the good thing is, is typically commercial feeds that you buy nowadays, you know, quality premium feeds, they're going to be able to cover some of those variabilities you'll see in that hay. Um... I will say that if you have a special needs horse, you have a horse that is insulin resistant, has Cushing's disease, and is very susceptible uh, to problems with uh, soluble carbohydrates or sugar in the diet, it is a good idea to get the hay analyzed for those horses. You can see what your typical sugar content is in that hay, and then you can decide whether it's okay to feed that hay dry to your horse or whether you need to soak it to soak some of the soluble carbohydrates out for those horses with special needs. 
Now, can you talk to us just shortly or quickly um, about the numbers? You know, when you go and send it to get analyzed, what what are you looking at? What kind of things in the analysis and um, are sure. important? Yeah, you can look at different nutrients um, for different reasons. We we like to use um, EquiAnalytical, which is a, a part of the Dairy One Forge Lab, which is up at uh, Cornell in New York. We use them a lot for a lot of analyses, um, and it depends on what you're looking for. Uh, typically, we'll look at we'll look at protein, we'll look at fiber, we'll look at different fiber fractions called ADF and NDF, and they give you an idea of digestibility of the hay, and then. Um, We'll test it for sugars and starches if you have a horse that, that that's a concern for. And then we like to run a mineral profile on it as well, especially uh, copper, zinc, calcium, phosphorus. Those are all typical things that we're going to look at and, and pay attention to. For young growing horses, it's important to know calcium-phosphorus ratios and the amount of copper and zinc. Typically, copper and zinc tend to be deficient in grass haze that we typically see uh, fed to sport horses. So that's where, you know, feeding a commercial feed on top of it can help to balance that out, make sure that your exercising horse is is getting what they need. Um, What we'll do after we send Hayes out for analysis, you can compare them. You can compare them to, like, what's typical for hay, and then you can see, oh, I've got pretty good hay. I'm above average for protein and, um, you know, different other, other minerals or oh, you know, my, my hay's not so great. I'm going to need to do something else to my horse's ration to make up for it. You can also look at uh, a number called relative feed value, uh, and that relative feed value gives you an idea of the digestibility of that hay and how much an animal will typically eat of it. Um, and the higher the rel- relative feed value, the better quality of the hay, the lower the number, the lower the quality of hay. And just one more question about hay. Um, what about products out there that, you know, I think a lot of people use to supplement their hay source, uh, hay cubes or dehydrated hay product? Sure. Um, especially this year, you know, there was a significant serious drought over many areas of the country. So in, in some parts, people are having a very difficult time finding good quality hay for their horses. So they're looking into these hay replacement products, hay stretcher products, um, and there are different things you can use. You can use alfalfa cubes, you can use Timothy cubes, you can use Denji-type products, bagged forages. We have a compressed hay block that soaks up a lot of water. Uh, you can use that to provide hay and water into your horse. Um, you can even stretch hay by using other types of fibers like beet pulp, uh, and if you're not able to get good quality hay, so say you know you've gotten some hay, you have a limited quantity, and you know it's not of great quality. For example, you send it out for analysis, the relative feed value is low, the nutrients are lower than average. Then you can look into adding one of these hay supplements, uh, even complete feeds, feeds that have hay built into them, can be used to supplement that hay, stretch that hay, to help make the overall feed ration more digestible for the horse. And the dehydrated hay, Mary Beth gave me that we were having a problem here in Florida with one of my horses drinking, and the dehydrated hay, the one that we 
punch up with water has been really, really helpful for us here because it's just a totally different environment than what we have at home down here. So we've had good luck with that here. Uh, but Mary Beth had a question on the one and a half percent of your body weight for yep. hay per day. Can you just tell us how do you find that number? Like how does that, so, how do you do that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Not everyone has the luxury of having a scale for their horse, right? Like most of us don't have a scale in our barn that we can walk our horse on and find out that they're exactly 1,302 pounds. Um, I, just a a quick side note, I was uh, spending time with the Budweiser Clydesdales this morning and we had some research going on with them uh, in young growing horses and they're they're doing great and we take these three-year-olds and put them on a scale and they weigh 1,600 pounds. (laughs) And, you know, we don't have, and, and they eat 40 pounds of hay a day. Easy. Um, each horse. So wow. for your horse, you can use a weight tape, very simply. Um, use a weight tape, get an estimate of your horse. So say your horse weighs 1,200 pounds. Uh, then you have to do a little bit of math. But a 1.5% uh, body weight, 1,200 pounds, is 18 pounds of hay a day. I usually take the, yeah, I take like, uh, the 1%, which is going to be your 12 pounds, and I take a half of that, which is 6, 12 and 6, 18 pounds. So that's what you want to feed as the minimum amount of hay for that horse per day. You can get more, you can get down to closer to 1%, but I really usually typically recommend 1.5%, especially for horses that are working, they're burning more calories, and um, you're going to want to provide them a good amount of quality hay in their diet. The other thing I always recommend people get is some sort of scale, some sort of that you can measure your feed and your hay on. You can simply buy uh, postal scales like in Staples or Office Depot and you can measure hay on that and, and get an idea uh, of what your flakes weigh so you can make sure you're meeting that minimum amount for your horse. All right. So I think that's a lot of information about hay. Where do we go from there? So. From hay, what you're going to do is you're then going to pick commercial feed that matches your horse's activity or lifestyle. So nowadays what most companies have done and is they've tried to make it more simple. So if you have a, an old horse, they go more on a senior feed. If you have a young horse, they go on a growth feed. If you have a, a performance horse, like talking about a dressage horse, we have a lot of performance feeds that you can choose. And they typically come in different forms. Some, some people really want to see the different components and the grains, and they want to see the, the beet pulp, the oat, the corn, um, and they'll feed more of a textured mix of a feed. While some people, um, you know, it's fine with them. They, for other reasons, they want to feed pellets. They're, um, you know, they don't have as much molasses on them typically, and, you know, the, all the ingredients are ground and put into a pelleted form or an extruded form. And you can um, look at what's important to you for your horse. Performance feeds come in all different calorie counts nowadays. Um, you can sort of get a, a, a low-calorie performance feed. You can get a high-calorie performance feed. For horses that are working really hard and need a lot of calories, we'll typically go to something that's both high in fat and high in fiber. So you look for things with higher fat contents and higher fiber contents. And you can call companies and also get calorie contents of feed. And you can find out, you know, how much calories they have per pound and then figure out which ones have more calories and less calories for what might fit your horse's needs. 
Great. And and where does you know dressage horse typically fall within the categories of of working horse and and pleasure horse? Sure. Um, that's a great question. You know, a lot of dressage riders, when you talk to them, and I can say this because I, I'm one of them, they're like, oh, well, you know, how hard does your horse work? And they say, oh, my horse works hard. I work him six days a week, and, and he works really, really hard. But when you actually look at their calorie, how much how much calories they actually burn, how much they work, and especially because of a lot of them are warm bloods and, and their basal metabolisms and, and where they fall sort of on the realm of horses, they tend to be uh, what we call horses in moderate work. So um, they're not certainly going to burn as many calories as hard keeper thoroughbreds that are galloping a lot or event horses that are doing a lot of gallop sets and, and jumping and, and that type of thing. But they're certainly going to burn more calories than horses just hanging out, standing around in a pasture or standing in a stall all day. So we put them into the moderate work category um, and for the most part, a lot of them are pretty easy keepers. So you're going to be able to balance out their hay ration with anywhere, you know, between a few pounds and six to eight pounds of a good quality uh, concentrate feed on a daily basis. So Mary Beth, when you go to a feed store, and it's very daunting for most people to go in there and they've gotten a new horse, how how's the best way for people to find information out when they go to figure out where their horse falls in that range? Sure, that's a great question. So I agree with you, Reese, 100%. I mean, there are so many feeds out there. Um, you know, we have a million feeds. All the other companies have a million feeds. You go in there and you see everything lined up on, on pallets, and you're like, what, what do I choose and, and how do I know what to choose? Um, and, you know, it's not always the easiest choice because by law, you've got a feed tag on every bag, but, you know, that little few inches long feed tag doesn't give you a lot of information. It gives you basic nutrient information, really, really tiny, tiny feeding instructions because it's got to fit on this tiny little legal tag with some other information that has to be on there by law. Um, But uh, honestly, I would say the best place right now to go and get information about feed is go online. Go to the different websites, look at the feeds. You can get the information about the products, what they're used for. You can put into different websites uh, from different feed companies. You know, I have a horse. He does this much activity level. What you know, I, I'm looking for a textured feed or a pelleted feed. So this would be a recommendation, um, you know, of a feed that would work for that horse. The other thing is there's there's tons of salespeople on the ground, and they can be very very knowledgeable. Um, about what to feed horses. And then also there's, you know, people like myself that are nutritionists that can help steer people uh, in the right direction, especially if they have a special needs horse. Um, Because you get into these some of these horses with a medical condition or, um, you know, their workload has changed or something's changed drastically in their management. And there are things out there we can do for these horses to help them compete well and uh, feel their best. Great. So I've got two pretty common scenarios i think um you know a horse that basically gets really fat on on just hay you know is mm-hmm. is that enough for a horse to to live and and to work you know in a you know in a moderate kind of dressage way or is there you know there's a lot of supplements out there there's a lot of you know vitamin additives what should we be looking for for a horse like that, that that's an excellent question so 
we we end up seeing this a lot. So these horses that are either on really good quality pasture and they're turned out, and uh, or horses that are on free choice hay, or even if they're on more of a limited amount of hay, they can maintain their body weight on hay alone very easily. Uh, and what we will typically do is we like to feed them a ration balancer, what we call a ration balancer. They come typically as pellets. Um, they have a significant amount of protein into them. They'll tend to be higher in protein, like 30%, 32% uh, levels of protein. And then they're, they're pretty highly fortified in vitamins and minerals as well. And people get worried. They're like, whoa, I have an easy keeper horse, and now you suddenly want me to feed them a 32% protein feed. Well, that's crazy. But the whole realm around that is you only feed them one pound of that feed, and that's all they get all day. So you have an easy keeper. You don't want to put a lot more calories into them because they're already maintaining their body weight. But you do need to balance out uh, the forage in their diet with good quality protein, vitamins, and minerals. And that's what this one pound of feed will do. What I like to tell people is if you see a a 30% protein feed and you feed one pound a day, that's the same amount of protein as if you're feeding a 10% protein feed, but you feed three pounds of that feed a day. So... Um, it's, it's that highly concentrated protein, vitamins, and minerals to balance out the forage for that easy keeper. And then the other thing, too, for these easy keepers, sometimes you have to limit their hay. There's some really great hay nets. Um, nowadays, you can get these little nibble nets and small hole hay nets, and you can sort of lengthen the amount of time it takes these horses to eat, and that helps with the management of these easy keepers. Great. All right. And my second scenario is... Um, a horse that's in work is um, a little bit on the skinny skinny side, but also a little bit on the nervous side. I mean, in dressage, we always talk about, well, we need we need our energy, but we, we don't want to make them, you know, hotter or, or nervous or, or uh, give them the, the wrong type of energy, if that makes sense. Maybe you can give some recommendations for that. No, that's a, another great question as well. So if you've got these horses that are a little harder keepers and they're working really hard and they may be that little nervous type, what we'll use for them is we use fat supplements in the diet. So first of all, one, we make sure those horses have really good quality hay in front of them and are eating all day long, good for their guts, good for their brains. Uh, try to get them a little turnout if they can tolerate turnout, uh, that sort of thing. And then we'll use a higher fat and fiber feed and we can even use fat supplements. There's some really good fat supplements nowadays that are all they're well balanced themselves in vitamins and minerals. They're mixtures of flaxseed, rice bran, oils. Um, you know, gone are the days that the best thing to do for your horse for a fat supplement is to just glug some corn oil on top of their feed. I mean, it's not a bad thing to do, but we can do a better job and do it in a more palatable way with more of these balanced uh, fat supplements. Well, Mary Beth, we could keep you all night. I know our listeners are loving hearing from you, and I'm so it's such an honor to have you as, as a resource for me. But if people wanted to ask you some questions, uh, is there a way that they could reach you online? Sure. Um, there's a, a couple different ways they can reach us. They can reach us anytime uh, through our customer service, uh, through our website at Purina Mills. And we also have... Um, we have a blog. We have the Purina Research blog, and they can go on there and they can uh, ask questions, comments about blogs, and, and reach us that way. And uh, they can absolutely get a hold of us, and we can help people out. 
Great. Well, uh, everyone at Prina Mills is very, very helpful. Um, and Mary Beth is, also knows the struggles of being a dressage rider. So, Mary Beth, thanks so much for all your help. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you, too, Reese. It's lots of fun. Have a great night. After this commercial break, Philip and I are going to start a new segment, um, a two-week two segment, talking about the 10 habits of highly effective dressage riders. Hi all, Glenn the Geek here, and we're excited to bring you a special offer for Horse Radio Network listeners from one of my favorite companies, and that is Audible.com. Audible.com is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre. Thrillers, business, romance, comedy, sci-fi, sports, and so much more. Audible titles play on your iPhone, your Kindle, your Android, or more than 500 different devices that you can listen anytime, anywhere. My wife and I love Audible books. We've been a member of Audible since 2004 and have listened to over 100 books uh, with Audible. What horse person, you know, who has time as a horse person to sit down and to read a book anymore? Yet, I found the time to listen to books on Audible. When I'm not listening to podcasts while I'm riding, cleaning stalls, or at the gym, or driving, I'm listening to Audible books. And for the listeners of the Horse Radio Network, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial to give you a chance to check out their service. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash hrn. That's audibletrial.com slash HRN for Horse Radio Network. And you can download your free audiobook and get your 14-day free trial today. If you can't remember that, just check out our website and you'll find a link to it right there. Enjoy your book. We know you will. So it was Reese's idea this week that uh, we each saw this uh, 10 Habits of Highly Effective Dressage Riders come up. Uh, I think I saw it on Facebook. I don't know where Reese saw it. But... Uh, it was an interesting article, and we thought we could talk about it and you know discuss it a little bit, and maybe we'll get some listener feedback on uh, some of these points. So we're going to do we're going to do five today and five next week, and uh, hopefully we can get into some good discussion about uh, about these topics. So the first one is an effective dressage rider looks upon each failure as a ladder rung, step on it, and lift yourself up. Yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think as we know, um, yeah, dressage is a tough sport that way because really sometimes it's a great day and you had the best ride and you get it and you understand, uh, your horse feels good. And the next day, maybe your horse is a little sore and, and you don't understand where you're supposed to put your leg and it's a little frustrating. Um, so you really do have to kind of do that. You have to think, okay, I'm going to step up that way. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a lot of cliches for this you know, situation that, you know, um, you know, failure is not, uh, uh, you know, in the end, it doesn't have to be a failure. It's, you know, there's a ton of learning opportunities, right? And so, you know, each problem is, is a chance to, to fix something or make something better. And, um, you know, and, and then not to get, not to get down about it. I think, you know, there's a lot more problems than there are then there are successes when you when you train a horse you know there's a lot of things that can go wrong and it takes a lot of good things to come together to to have a great ride or or, or a great test or get a great score so i think you just got to keep working away working on it and uh you know trying to figure out with your trainer with whether it's a nutrition thing you know like you need a whole team behind you to really to to, to make it work and to to make the horse 
do its job and, and for everybody to, uh, to have success. So, you know, that's a good point, And that's a good number one, right? Because, yeah, you know, absolutely. you're going to fail before you succeed. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. We've all been there. So number two, an effective dressage rider, rider leaves their personal issues on the ground, approaching each ride emotionally neutral. I like this one. This is a really hard thing to do. It is very hard to do. I, mean, I think, yeah, especially for an amateur who has you know work problems or you know you can't bring that to the barn, you know, and and I think a lot of people, you know, come to the barn and, and want to ride to kind of help you let that stuff go. And I think you gotta you gotta do it before you put your foot over the saddle. You know, that's that's really tough. That is really tough. And I think I, we've all been there where there's times where you're just not in the mood <laughs> and you need to go on a hack or you need to do something very uh, simple in a way for your horse. Because, I mean, we're all human and, and horses pick up so easily on, on those negative feelings. So to be able to be neutral in what you're doing, I think, is extremely important, but hard to do. You really have to figure out if it's listening to your favorite, I don't know, song or whatever on your way home from work. Um, or, or stretching or doing some yoga before you ride, I think that's all really important. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point about doing something different, maybe hacking or whatever. Or I think, you know, even if even if you have a lesson scheduled for that day and you're just not ready to approach it or, you know, talk to your trainer about how you're feeling that day because if there's something that's going to affect your performance, the person on the ground needs to know, right? And I think yeah, you know, that's a communication thing. and. And, you know, I don't mind if somebody says, listen, I just, you know, there's some other stuff going on. I just can't do it today. And I think that's better yeah. than getting halfway in and being exasperated, you know, exacerbated and, and making the problems worse. You know, then, then it's just not going to work. You got to get on and you got to be ready to ride, you know, mentally, physically. And then, and then you can have success and do a good job. If you're not, then it probably is not going to go very well. Right, exactly. And your trainer, if, that, if somebody says that to me, then um, I go get my boots on and, and I'll ride the horse for the yeah, hour. Yeah, perfect. Uh, no right? problem. You know, yeah, absolutely. Making sure the horse has a positive experience and, and that uh, you can leave some of that stuff at home or at work or wherever, you know, wherever the extra stress came from. Exactly. So the third one is if effective dressage riders make themselves the calm baseline that their equine partner can rely on at all times. Yeah. Yeah, this is a big one. I find this one's uh, the hardest one right around showtime because, you know, um, typically you are relatively calm or, or, or you're in the same uh, mind frame, I think, when you uh, get, you know, when you're not showing. But people get so nervous going into horse shows and that really will change the yeah. horses, you know, where they are. Yeah, I think you really need to have a plan. You, you can't say, well, I just won't get nervous. You, you, that doesn't work. I think you have a plan how to deal with the stress and and, and how to make the situation positive for you and your horse and, uh, and come up with a, with, with a way that, that, that that's going to work. Like you said, maybe listening to some calming music or something because for sure, if you're nervous, you're, you're not being that calm baseline for your horse. And it's, again, you're not going to have a positive experience. So, you know, plan for the, plan for the problems and, and make a plan on how to deal with them. And, and then your horse can look to you for confidence and, and trust. And then you're really working on your partnership. I think that's really, really important. Yeah. I like that. So number four, an effective dressage rider owns their personal space, both on and off the horse. Um, and I think this is interesting, you know, basically, um, you know, what they're talking about is a stallion, keeps his own personal space and he has his own um, 
present. Uh, and they're also saying that riders need to maintain that same uh, exemplary posture, uh, both on and off the horse, carry yourself, um, be organized, these types of things, so that our, our equine partner feels that same um, kind of aura around us. Does that make sense? Is that yeah, well, I think, yeah, I mean, this is related to, to number three, I think, but yeah. you, you want to be calm, but not really passive, right? I mean, yeah. if you're going to be, you, you have to be the confident leader. And so this one is, is I think, more about confidence rather than calmness this is about you know you you can direct the horse where to go when you're on there you you know you want to be calm but you don't want the horse to be leading you all around and and just because he's you know relatively relaxed that you're doing a good job i think you know you gotta you gotta really plan for your test and you know go here do this you know that the horse is listening and paying attention to you and not paying attention to everything else in the ring and 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 that the rider is not allowing this to happen because it can go pretty bad pretty quick or you know they get scared by something because you you're relaxed but you're not you're not pushing them on a little bit you're not being confident and really taking charge you know taking the reins as it were right to to really right. to make sure that you're going to have a positive experience you have to tell the horse what to do a, a little bit not aggressive but confident and 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 just carrying yourself a certain way yeah, I always like to say that um, we're the drivers. They're not the drivers. Horses aren't actually very good drivers. That's when we get into trouble. Yeah. So it's like I'm the driver. You have to, and they have to respect that that you're the That's one. Right. You're, you're the one at the lead there. Yeah, that you got a good steering wheel, a gas, and a brake, right? And, and yep. if you don't, you've got to be able to get on. You got to be able to get on and, and get that done a little bit um, before you ever enter the ring and and uh, give the horse confidence and that he can follow you or she can follow you. Um, into the into the warm up, into the ring, into the test, you know, through the whole thing. Exactly. And the fifth thing for today is an effective dressage rider has trained their inner voice to be either positive or constructively negative, never defeating. Yeah, that one's huge. I think I think we all. I think as you get more time, especially in a test, um, it, it certainly has to be trained. You know, a lot of of my students will make a mistake, and you can just see their heads go down, and you can just think, "Oh my, see him! I made a mistake. I did the wrong thing." And what you have to say is, "Okay, I did it. I made a mistake. Uh, now I have my uh, single flying change, or my one time changes, or whatever it is." Um, you can't sort of say, "Oh my gosh," you know, I, you know, kind of curl up and, and think, "Oh, I'm never." I'm never going to be able to do it. I'm never, you know, I, I, that's really hard to do. And, and I think you really have to train this part. I think, yeah, I mean, you got to, I think you really have to ride a balance between, you know, being positive and also being constructively negative. So I really like the wording here because yeah. um, you don't want to get yourself down, but you also want to be working on getting better, right? I mean, you know, if things didn't go great, it's it's good to be positive about the experience, but also look at it. And, and how, how is it going to get better? What am I going to do better next time? Um, but sh- for sure not going, oh, that was just terrible. I did everything wrong. My horse is junk. Or, you know, he did everything wrong. I mean, that's not, a, that's not going to help any, any kind of situation. I think it's, you know, you have to say, well, there were some good things. You know, that's why I would say there were some good things. Here's what they are. And there were some not so good things. And, and now I need to develop a plan how to, how to, make those things that I didn't do a good job of better or that the horse had a little issue with how am I going to, you know, how am I going to get that better? And I think again, communication with your coach or trainer or person on the ground to say, what do you think about that? You know, what, what could I have done? 
you know, work on it in, uh, you know, in a, in a constructive way to really, uh, to really make sure that the, the experience is not lost. I think if you just think, oh, it was terrible, the whole thing was terrible, I, you know, didn't even know what I was doing, then you aren't going to get better, right? Because there's nothing right. constructive about that. There's nothing to say, oh, well, here, my halt, I needed a little bit more forward, or, you know, then, then you'll go in and you'll do the exact same thing again because you didn't develop a plan to make it better. So, exactly. Um, I think these are all really wonderful points, and, and that's yeah. why we wanted to bring them up with all of our listeners because uh, I found it kind of an interesting article and and uh, good tips for everybody who wants to you know ride better and, and learn how yeah. to do a better job. Exactly. So we will have the next five next week, so you have to tune in for to hear the rest of the list. Um, but we're looking forward to now, Philip, we've got a great trainer tip from our um, good friend of the show, J.J. Tate. Well, we are very happy to have J.J. Tate back on the Dressage Radio Show to give us a trainer tip for the week. J.J., what's your tip for the week? My trainer tip is based around the idea that everyone should be able to focus a little bit better on their preparation for things. And I, I really call that like purposeful riding. This is just something that I deal with all my students pretty much all the time, <laughs> you know, in clinics and, and daily, you know, even down here in Florida, that, you know, there's so often um, a lack of clarity in the aids, and sometimes, you know, my, my riders get a little bit too focused on the pattern, and that they should really, truly stay focused on their feeling and be able to make sure that they don't just have to make a, make a half out into the corner because it's the corner, but really just always checking that the horse is, is waiting for you. And when I talk about purposeful riding, you know, that even happens in a walk. You know, a lot of my riders get on and kind of lollygag around, and I'm always like, you got to make sure you're, you're, like, you're on your way somewhere, you know, that there's this purpose in that. Not only purpose in the horse's body, but purpose in the rider's intention. And I feel, you know, something that really drives me crazy is when the rider is uh, attempting to do something and the horse just, you know, doesn't really do it right and they just go and haul it off and smack it with the whip. I just, oh, nothing boils my blood more than that. And it's like, if you're just dealing again with the symptom and not the cause, and sometimes the cause is our fault. And so I want to just really help everyone focus on being able to be truly clear in what you're trying to convey to the horse and not to overreactive so you can truly, um, you know, have a partnership with your horse and, and he knows what you're talking about. You know, I always tell my riders to check themselves first and make sure that they're asking in the right way and that the horse wasn't confused, you know, by that aid. So I, I love to call it purposeful riding, that the things you do, and you can do all kinds of things, but you have to do them for a very clear purpose and, and be sure that you're, the horse is interpreting those things correctly. Yeah, I, I agree completely with this. Um, you know, you really have to know what you're doing, why you're doing it, and 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 have a, a good outcome. For our listeners, JJ, maybe you want to give an example of an exercise or something where this would, you know, this kind of thing comes into play a lot. Or um, if you can give us an example, yeah, just just to be clear. For sure. Um, I would had one this morning. <laughs> and I would say, um, you know, for like the lower level rider, I would definitely say um, keeping the horse in the canter can be a really tricky thing. And many times um, I have a really sensitive uh, Andalusian stein with one of my riders down here, and she struggles, you know, keeping him, you know, round enough and, and cantering, and he a lot of times likes to break to the trot. And instead of, 
you know, just whacking him with the whip and saying, you know, doggone it, just you get going, you know. I always, you know, want to go through the rider checklist and say, well, let's go through your age. you got to make sure that the leg is back enough. You have to make sure your MPC bonus is enough swinging that the seat remains in the canter rhythm. we got to make sure that he stays bent because, of course, the canter is the only naturally bent gait. So when we take the bend out of the horse, most horses fall into the trot. And so I like her to always talk, you know, kind of go through. Um, a lot of my riders don't ride with me all year round. You know, they kind of come to Florida or they come to Maryland, but I don't see them every day all the time. So I like to help them be able to problem solve, like, oh, this is going wrong when I'm by myself on a random Tuesday evening after work. Why is this going wrong? You know, and so they can go over the correct eight and ask themselves, okay, are all the things I need to be doing, you know, lined up? And because many times the horse makes the mistake, you know, it seems like the horse makes the mistake, but it's actually the rider who sort of asked for it. And so then it becomes really huge confusion that the horse is actually doing what he felt you asked for, but you didn't know you asked for it. And then, you know, you get after him because he's not listening. Do you know what I mean? And so often it's us that makes the mistake, and we have to kind of learn from the horse to say, oops, I could have done that better there. And what can I do to improve that so that that doesn't happen again? So that's probably one of the biggest examples I see, you know, happen a lot. No, I think that's great. And and I think I, as trainers, um, you know, it's always good for us to make sure that our students are understanding, uh, you know, what are the aids. Um, and, and I think we should all challenge our students and even when we are students and taking lessons, how important it is that if you don't understand or understand what the age should be uh, to ask questions. Um, so JJ, yeah. can you give us some tips, you know, for our, for our listeners? Um, if you aren't having regular instruction, are there places that you can go to find, you know, find out some of this information? You know, absolutely. I mean, I think dressageclinic.com is an excellent source of, you know, you can, you can watch just a ton of lessons and um, get to know, you know, even really top famous people. You know, you can watch lessons with Stefan, you know. Um, I think actually part of the trainers' uh, conference, you know, all these special events, a lot of times those are on there. And, you know, just, I think it's important to also, a lot of us are visual learners, and I think it's important to know what kind of learner you are, uh, visual, kinesthetic, or auditory. And, you know, a lot of times, like, even just me watching a video at night before I go to bed, like, I swear I am riding better in the morning than the next day, you know, just because you get this nice visual. And I think, um, you know, I, I don't think anyone should ever worry about ever asking a question. Um, a lot of times, you know, I, I tell my students, like, if you're with a trainer and you ask questions and they get defensive about it, well, then maybe... That's not the right place for you. If you want to read articles and dressage today or, you know, there's lots of wonderful places online. I also, one of my favorite ones is Clip My Horse, uh, which is um, all videos from Germany, which for me is really fun to just see, you know, the world sport and what, you know, how do their four-year-olds go and what does this look like? Um, so I, I love going on the Internet and, and listening to different lessons and um you know, figuring those things out. I think clinics are a really great place. I mean, it costs maybe $25, $30 to go audit a clinic, and you basically get eight lessons that you get to watch all day long. And, um, you know, I, I encourage people to ask a ton of questions. 
Um, you know, I think you can learn a lot also from a horse show. You know, going and maybe standing near someone that you see coaching somebody. And, you know, I mean, even if it's not maybe something you want to do, at least you can learn what you don't want to do. And that's, that's positive um, education as well. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's uh, that's all great. Oh, sorry, JJ. You want to I, I just want to say, too, I'm an advocate of, like, major reading, like all the old classical books, you know, just, you know, the horses are made to be horses, and, you know, just all those great books uh, from the old masters. I can't list them all now, but I definitely encourage everyone to, you know, just read anything from Charles de Comfey or, you know, the old classics. I just, I just can't support that enough as well. Yeah, I mean that's great, and and you know I I support all that stuff too. But I don't think there's a real substitute for kind of one-on-one rider teacher instruction, you know, because you can't get around having somebody educated to be able to stand on the ground and to try to explain what's going on with you and your horse. You know, that's I I, I just don't think you can get get around that. Um, I agree. Yeah, you know, to, to spend as much money as you can on a really great coach and somebody that's willing to converse with you to explain things so that things you know become clear in your head. Um, you know, because you know from other videos and other lessons, it doesn't always apply to you. You know, and and even if, especially when you're just starting out or you're starting into a new level, um, it's it's really. It can be really confusing watching somebody else with a di- totally different horse, totally different problems, doing a second level test or something, and and you know not the same things apply to you. I think people have to True. have to take the time and to do I, as well. You know, it's a good agree. mix of getting all kinds of education. I think. Yeah, and I yeah. would say too a lot. A lot of my young riders, I you know, and some of my adults, I'm like, ride as many horses as you can. You know, there's yeah. nothing more. But there's not a better teacher than what's under your saddle, you know. And the more my, you know, the more hours you can get in the saddle. Um, I read a really interesting book called Outliers, and it talks about putting your 10,000 hours in in order to become, you know, really that things become really habit and you become really proficient at something. And you know, you just gotta start clicking away at those hours and you know, no stirrups and lunchtime lessons and you know, really, I totally agree. Like as much riding. Um, and good riding, you know, so as many lessons as you can afford to take, like, I support that, you know, 100%. And if you can find a schoolmaster that your coach has, I mean, even right now, <laughs> my old Grand Prix horse down here is 21 this year. Uh, his name is Cam Bay. He is awesome. He is, like, busy all week. Not every day, of course, because he's older now, but he loves it. Like, people come in for lessons, and you, know, you just can't get that, you know. If you can find a schoolmaster to also help you, learn what the A's are and what the reaction should be, you can help bring that to your own horse as well. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. That's something that we're missing in this country where they have a lot more in Germany and Holland, I mean in Europe in general, a lot of uh, horses that have been through the levels that, that teach you know, the younger riders or, or people just starting out, you know, what is, what is it to feel, feel the right things that you can transfer on a horse maybe that doesn't know? It seems like we're always training rider and horse together and that's a bit of a problem because that road is a, is a very long one yeah for sure for sure and it's it's a challenge you know when the green is teaching the green and you know the rider maybe does it the right way but the horse doesn't it doesn't even have the muscle memory to be able to ra- react in the right way you know in europe it's amazing like you know um ponies ponies go through families you know the, the oldest daughter starts riding it 
says the ponies, her younger, the, the next sister gets it, the next brother gets it, you know, and there's, there's these horses just kind of go through different families and then they get done with it, they pass it to the neighbor kid, you know, and these riding clubs and all these school horses, it's just a wonderful, you know, education to be able to just get on and, and feel what you're looking for. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely love that idea. I, I wish we could have some riding schools in this country, but... Um, Unfortunately, that's not our programs here, so that's okay. I mean, you know, and just as many lessons as you can get and as much exposure, and even if you can find someone to even teach you a lunch lesson once a week on a horse, that is can be completely helpful. I also, you know, love yoga and, and things like that to challenge the body in similar isometric ways. Um, if you can't get on a saddle, you know, if you can't get on a horse uh, that often, there's definitely some, some nice ways to improve yourself without having to be on the saddle as well. Well, JJ, thank you. That Those were all great tips. I hope everyone takes away uh, so many different things from our discussion tonight. So thanks so much for coming on tonight. And how can we find you on the internet? I just got a brand new website. It's under team-katedressage.com. And you can find me on Facebook as well, Jessica Jo Tate. And um, yeah, I've got a new blog going on the website and we're really excited about that. So thank you guys so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right, Reese. Well, I think that was a great show. We had lots to talk about, and the nutrition thing I think is helpful for everyone because, you know, things are always changing. They're developing new products, coming up with different ideas about how to do horse feed. I mean, it's not just oats and corn anymore, right? Exactly. Exactly. So lots of, lots of help out there, and as Mary Beth said, uh, there are lots of people, but there's also great research online too. So if you ever have questions, it's a good place to start. Yeah, and if you have any, you know, any questions that you would like us to ask or bring topic to the show, uh, nutrition-wise or anything else, you know, feel free to let us know. Um, this week we got a great uh, email from our friend Vera Rubisovo. She's she's written into the show before and given us some great ideas, and uh, she was just complimenting us on our last show and having uh, Nicholas Fife on, who did a great job for us in uh, in. An, in a trainer tip about rider position. So uh, thank you, Vera, for sending us an email. We love to get emails and feedback and, you know, things that, that will help us make the show better for, for our listeners. Exactly. So you can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our website at dressageradio.com. You can like us on Facebook. Just search Dressage Radio Show. You can follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com, and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors, and don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. And hopefully, next week, we will have Glenn back, and uh, I won't have to do the technical part. <laughs> I don't know, Philip. I think you've done a really good job. So uh, congratulations. On, I'm glad you do that and not me. <laughs> well, hopefully it goes well on this. I actually recorded the whole thing. And, uh, we have a show to send out. Exactly. Well, everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we'll talk to you next week.